to the grill again, the grill again, back 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 to the grill again. You need a posse the size of the Nazis to attack this. Okay, welcome to the OneOut.com podcast. This is episode 14 of Ask Alex with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex the Assassinato Fitzgerald. Uh, you guys sending questions for Alex uh, every time we do this podcast, and Alex does his best to answer them, and for free as well. Uh, how are you, Alex? I'm doing great, Barry. I'm glad to be working with the best host in the business again. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I can be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, we've got lots of questions in uh, for this episode. So a lot of the guys, uh, we went a bit off topic last show, but we had a lot of good feedback. Yeah, we had, to say the least, we had a lot of good feedback, though. And people said, oh, it's nice that you know that sometimes as well. And yeah, nobody wants to talk, you know, poker constantly, just poker. But we do. We cram a lot in here as well. And, you know, the way Alex deals with the questions, it's a lot of, you can go back. They're free to download and listen to. So you can listen to them again, pause them. Fast forward through any of our, you know, jibber jabber stuff and get into, you know, the, the actual strategy content if, if need be. Um, a few notes before we start. Thanks to everyone who keeps uh, joining the Facebook group. Uh, that's slowly creeping up. Um, so get involved in that. It's facebook.com slash groups slash one outer. And someone will add you if you just click to request to be added. Um, either myself or another member member will accept you. Um, also follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com. That's the at o n e o u t e r d o t c o m. And Alex, how can people get in touch with you if they want one-on-one coaching or they want to read some of your stuff? Ah, uh, you can contact me. Thank you for asking, by the way, Barry. Gosh, that was so nice of you. <laughs> that 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 segues perfectly into write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com if you would like to elevate your game talk to me one-on-one and we'll look at your game and really bring things up i'm booked through april and by book through april i mean i'm not doing lessons in april but i'll be back on it after that just a little caveat mthor uh right uh you can check check out my Twitter at the Assassinato. Check out my Facebook at facebook.com/assassinato. Read my articles at bluff.com. There's probably 40, 50 articles that people have threatened to kill me about uh, writing. Uh, WPTMag.com. I put in a lot of cr- stuff in there just because. Well, I mean, I have lots of stuff to write. And uh, PokerHeadRush.com for my various day-to-day blogs. If you'd like to. Read my rambling about gun control and like pinball video games and stuff. I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, I'm g- glad you mentioned that. I before we were on air, I read a message and stuff from Alex. Uh, like went out to guys who've had lessons and stuff. <laughs> and uh, Alex, you know, said he's decided to take April off, and uh, he's obviously been busy. So if you just remember that, you know, you can get the lessons just after that. But you can also buy your uh, webinar. That's still for sale. If, oh, yeah. If you want that just now. I'm even so, subtitling uh, it so you kids in Latvia who don't understand all my colloquialisms or weird words like that, uh, yeah. you can check it out. And with uh, that will be coming out hopefully over April. We'll get that done. Nice, nice. So what's the break for? You just feel like you need a break, Alex? You're just going to play more yourself? Or? No, I'm going to... Well, okay, this came up when I had a few poker sessions where, like, I really enjoy my job. I love working in poker. And it's not so much, you know, a lot of people are like, a lot of people say, like, you're the most passionate person I hear in training videos these days. And I go, well, I'm not, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. And there's not really, if you think about it, like, how many grinders, do you know, started in 2006? Like, off the top of my head, I can think of, like, B Paris, Team A420. Uh, but my, I, I mean, there's a lot of guys like below above was really big when I came onto the scene and like, I, I, I'm sure he's doing fine, but like, you don't see him playing, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of the guys I came onto the scene with who do not play, teach any of that regularly. And a lot of people assume it's because I really love poker. It's not, I love 
poker that much. It's just I love the fact every day I can work harder to advance my life. And there's not many jobs like that. And it is pretty it is really fun to like teach people and then they make more money and I make more money. There's not many. Most of the time when you're doing consulting work, someone's on the losing end. Somebody's getting overcharged. Somebody's not getting paid enough or something like that. But yeah, I had a few sessions. I was just like, I'm not into poker. I'm just not. I, I was playing some. I was only playing like Sundays and high stakes and stuff. And that was kind of stupid because I was like, well, I should at least drag my ass out of bed for the 500s. You know what I mean? And also like to keep ahead of the coaching, like I have to be doing way more research now because a lot of the stuff I published like years ago has like made the rounds. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of people. The thing that irks me the most and uh, is when people I've had a few people go like, hey, I know all of this. Right. And they've literally won like all this money, like probably with strategies somebody took from me. And of course, that's the natural way like knowledge gets passed down. You know what I mean? People are going to transfer things. But to hear my words coming out of their mouth and then they go like, yeah, um, I feel like we're wasting time. And I'm like, we're wasting time because you got my lesson from somebody else who just gave it away for free and didn't really (laughs) respect it as intellectual property are respected as some, you know what I mean? And I, I've played into that too, like giving away a lot of stuff for free, but instead of politely telling me, you know, Hey, we need to move on. I've had a lot of people, you know, go like, I'm, well, now I don't think I can learn anything from you. Cause I know this, this, and this, and that's all I needed. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, that's not how it works. Or, yeah. so, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot still going on, but yeah, to stay ahead of this coaching thing, I've been working like I've been working – it used to be I woke up in the morning and I just like talked about poker and it was really easy. Now I'm you know, I'm crunching ranges. I'm using Flopzilla. I'm using ICMizer. I'm using Sidengo Wizard. I'm pulling up Holder Manager 2 specialized pop-ups. I'm like I'm doing algebra, which has never been my forte. Actually, I think it's pronounced Ford. But mm-hmm. in the States, we love to like pretend like we know how to pronounce something in French. But they uh, – and yeah, I mean, and then combine that with, all right, I, all right, I decided to, my my wife runs her physical therapy practice out of uh, our house. And uh, for a while, the only way to get to it was to like walk right through my office. So I got kind of bored with like, okay, I can't wear my tank top into, you know, like I used to, to go play poker. And like, I couldn't leave the window open and let it freeze in here like I like. So I was like, okay. I'm going to build up the back of my house that has a lot of property, not realizing that was like going to take like knocking down a wall and house and like tons of tons of construction. And then at the same time, my residential process was like finalizing. And it was like it was really stressful because it's like because I don't know, Costa Rica is super efficient for Central America, but it's super Central America still. (laughs) Like if you do one thing wrong, they're like, oh, go back to start a year and two months of work. So I had to skip LAPC and Bay 101. And it's like, even on my days off, I'm like working on the house and like, I'm going down to, I'm going down to these government buildings to literally sit there for six hours in a line and then get to the front of the line. And they go, what's your name? Alex Fitzgerald. Okay. Sign here. Thank you. We'll talk to you again in one week. <laughs> you know. So it's like, yeah, it's been, yeah, I haven't. And then, yeah, my, my student the other day, he was talking about, He's probably the smartest guy I know. He reminds me of Winnie the Pooh. He's a little Taoist. And uh, he, he goes, he was like, when was the last time you took like two, three weeks off, right? And I was like, wait, what makes you ask that? And he was like, well, he was like, you know, we, he came out to PCA. He's what, my horse, right? He can't, he, we took him out to PCA, me and my friend, uh, my friend and I. And we, uh, and uh, he went to every one of those like little like interviews they do at Poker Stars events, right? And he said, like, every single one of those people said, you know, oh, they had to take a month off. They were doing really bad. And he was like, when was the last time you took, like, three a month off? And I, I, I thought, never, like, <laughs> ever, yeah. like, since I was 18 and I went commercial fishing, uh, I, I haven't taken a month off. And then they were like, well, you know, was, when was the last time you took three weeks off? I was like, never. And then he was like, when was the last time you took two weeks off? <laughs> I was trying to think. I was like, well, there's been a few live events I went to. And then once I busted, I spent like a week on the beach. But 
you know, that's still around poker and stuff like that and doing the, yeah. So I just, I, I wasn't really feeling passionate about poker and that's really bad for my students too, because that means I'm not like aggressively finding new edges to share with them. So I, uh, I thought before scoop would probably be the best. And then I think we're going to structure the lessons differently when I come back, you know, like there's weeks I'm on, there's weeks I'm, uh, I'm just going to play because right now it used to be, I could do both of them pretty well at the same time, but it's been pretty difficult for a couple of years. Just the level of play has gotten so much better and my level of consultation has had to step up and that requires a lot of man hours, which I simply can't put in and still be competitive at MTTs. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure the break, I'm sure the break will do you good. And yeah, I'm yeah, excited, man. Things. It's, it's like me. It's like last year was the first holiday that didn't involve either buying stuff or, you know, to look to set up for opportunities or going for business or whatever that I'd actually had since I was like 16 or something, you know, just wow. a holiday of doing nothing, you know, like two weeks of just doing nothing. I mean, I'd been away other places, but every time it was either, you know, either away for, you know, Vegas was poker, you know, every time. And right. uh, even, even when I was going to Amsterdam and stuff, that was for like, you know, antiques fairs and things like that, and nonsense. And because you enjoy your work, it's hard to differentiate. It doesn't, you don't, you sort yeah. of, it's what I'd rather be doing in my free time anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's exactly. Weird. Well, no, yeah, I, uh, like when I think of work, I think of like me scraping the fucking burned grease off of a deep fryer at Arby's. I don't think of me sitting in my air conditioned house with my, Maltese dog on my lap sipping coffee talking about poker but yeah, yeah it's like do you feel like you can't disconnect because that's my biggest problem no a hundred percent I mean I sit here just now as I'm doing this podcast and you know I'm looking at stuff that I've got to do <laughs> with other things and it's like you know all right okay I'll do that later I mean people say to me oh it's a joke amongst my friends ah oh, you don't know what work is and stuff like that and wow to be fair to be fair, I don't in terms of that definition of work, whether it's like scrubbing floors or digging ditches or, you know, out sale, doing sales or whatever. Like, uh, well, actually, I know sale because pretty much what I do is sale, you know, everything. Right, right, I'm, either, right. I'm always selling something sort of thing. But, yeah, it, it's one of these things. It's like even when, like, I'm into it, I, I go through spells. If I do nothing for a few days, then I'll do nothing for a few weeks or months, you know? Oh, that's cool. And that, so you, can, you have so, that switch. You have that not, switch. Well, well, I don't know what does it because I can't make it in just now. I'm in, I'm in work mode of doing everything all the time. So right. even when I, like, come off this, right through till, till bedtime, I'm doing something, you know, related to working for myself or whatever. And, yeah, it's you've got to take breaks. And when you work for yourself and you – no one's giving you your hours. I mean, guys that play poker, relating about to poker, you can get up, play when you want, whatever. You, it's so important to schedule, create some sort of schedule, even if it's like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to have breakfast first or a huge glass of water, you know, before I touch the computer. Because yep, yep. if you just jump up and turn on the computer, before you know it, eight hours have passed. You feel like shit, you know? And it's like... Yeah, it's 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 addictive. I think all these guys are addictive personalities, mm -hmm. and um, it's hard to find that switch and that balance. And when people say it to you, like your girlfriend that says, "Oh, you need to switch off a bit," you're like, oh, "Like fuck, I'm I'm not. I'm going for it. I'm doing what I'm doing now." But you will just burn yourself out, and people think they can't, but you will, you know. And uh, yep. it, it's it's hard to take that. You know, once you burn yourself out, you know all about it. You have no. You're not going to get anywhere without your health sort of thing, you know. There's no point in running yourself into the ground. No, the, and then you're going to take a longer time off, you know. Well, and there's a there's something to be said for, I mean, there you you see it with athletes like ruining their bodies, like pushing too hard in the on season, or like uh, it, there's a lot of times like you know Kobe Bryant wanted to play through injuries in the NBA Finals, and their coaches are just pulling their hair out because of course they want him going good in the NBA finals. But like, if he like, it's possible the next five years will be affected by that. And I really yeah. think that's possible with your mind too. Like I, I've definitely like, I have gone nuts playing poker. Like, and I, I don't want to get into the extent 
And of course, I've used some chemicals to accelerate that process at different times. But yeah. there, the, it can take a really long time to pull back the layers on crap you can build up in your mind. And it's much. And then there's all these guys that like there's no high stakes player who plays like every day. There, there's just none. Isildur disappears. Then he comes back for a week. He, you know, yeah. he's really into it. Phil Gelfond, you know, he's off doing his things. He's off building slides in New York City condos. And then he comes <laughs> back, you know, and then it, Ivy disappears. He comes back, you know, maybe for different reasons than the other people in this example. Let's put the guys who suck play every day. Like yeah. as I think I can you can think of so many MTT grinders that played like 50,000 games over five years, had a profit of like 20K and then just disappeared. But a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of, you know, when we started in poker, it was about who puts in the most hours because there was so much money to be out there. I mean, like if you could, uh, I, I mean, pick a, pick a thing, a very simple person you could do. I have a selection. If you could tie your shoes two times out of three, if you could spell your name, you could make a lot of yeah. money on party poker. Now that's just, that's not the case. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you have to be, everybody kind of has to ad- adopt the traits of high stakes players. I guess we should get into some questions, huh? Although that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got some questions here and some of these will probably relate back to this stuff. So ah, good. We'll, we'll just read them out in uh, the order that they came into the inbox. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, okay. The first one is from Mark. Uh, hey, Alex Huds. All right, okay. I'm sorry, I'll read this out properly. It's from Mark, and it's, Hey, Alex, Huds, question mark. What do you think the difference in your win rate would be if you could never use a HUD? I actually love playing on Bovada because there are no screen names and no HUDs. I think that is a more truer form of poker. I think, uh, by the way, shout out to Mark. He's the one who put me in touch with the Saurus to begin with, and he's a large reason we're going to be doing that battle. At, uh, um, at, uh, at the World Series, so uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be a good time. And Mark Mark is always the only one to back me up when I go on my super Republican rants on Facebook. <laughs> so he's uh, even though I'm not really a Republican, I just think Democrats have lost their mind when it comes to a lot of things, and the Republicans too. But yeah, I I tend to fall on the more conservative side. Anyway, yeah. Uh, the site I made the most money from ever in my life, and I mean, this is across MTT. Oh, no, no, that's not true. Um, the second, the site I made the most money at cash, uh, the money I've made the most from, like, period, is full tilt. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the site I made the most money at cash at was on cake poker, and that was, because, and that was before they transferred to lock and you could have a HUD. Um, and there, you know, you could have tricks like you could like convert them to ha- poker stars hand histories and like peruse how people generally play, but you couldn't really have specialized statistics back then. You know what I mean? And mm. I, I, uh, I cleaned up on that site. Like that was my favorite site to play when I was younger because it was, yeah, a lot of people are pretty crap without a HUD and they get very automatic. And if you can think just a little further ahead. You can make a lot of money. Now, as far as enjoyable, that was probably some of the most enjoyable poker I ever played because it was possible for me to smoke weed and listen to music all day and barely pay attention because there was no, you know, it was only going one step further than most guys and they could never identify what that step was because they didn't have a HUD. Now, that being said, is that the purest form of poker? Probably. It is kind of annoying I mean, what I teach is stuff I teach to people who have, like, no real feel for poker. And definitely I feel like uh, I've never had a terrific grasp of the nuances in this game like some uh, some of the naturals do. But so it's a little good to give a leg up as far as uh, uh, what was the whole question again? There was one part I'm forgetting. I can't remember what well, it was. It was yeah. There's sort of in a few parts, and then there's yeah. Another it was multi-layered. So, yeah. The, the first sort of part was, what do you think your difference in your win rate would be if you could never use a HUD? I, I think uh, very uh, probably very slight. I'll be honest with you though. I think I've started using it as a crutch. Like really, like my feel for poker has really deteriorated. 
because there was a lot of time. I was just look at that number. There's no way. I, I, I mean, just point of exploitation done. Right. It, look at that number. Ooh, there's no way. It, like there are literally stats you will see where the guy's like, there is no chance he could defend it. There is no human on earth who could play the range they need to play in order to defend against what my play is going to be. Right. And, but I've become super reliant on those and it, it's been a crutch. And now there's a problem. Like this is a big reason I'm going away. And I mean, this is something everybody's noticed in my game. It just seems whenever I'm making a play beyond those are the numbers are close, but not quite there. I'm just wrong a hundred percent of the time. And it's just, and I, I really think that's a lack of practice. I really think that's a lack of playing live. My, uh, a friend, a friend of mine who he buys a lot of my action brought up. He was like, I don't really like how little live poker you're playing. Cause you know, when you get back the last two live trips I've taken, I've made money, but like, uh, PCA and WSOP, but like, you know, it's also just good to get a feel for like what people are thinking at the time too. And if you're just looking at numbers, you can really become, I, I, it's like people with Asperger's, like they understand on like a purely numerical, uh, surface level but they don't understand on an emotional level where people are tr where these ideas are established and if you don't know where the base is you don't know where it's going to sway where it's going to shift next you're just going to see it after it's done you're not anticipating yeah. you're reacting that's a really big crutch that I, I think i've built into a lot of players and i've built into myself and that's another reason i've kind of moved away from a lot of the super hud dependent uh, uh, I do complete lectures now without the HUD. I've built new ones to get around this just so we can talk about hand ranges and, you know, what you think the guy is playing at this time. And I've seen that really help a lot of my guys, and it's starting to help me too. But, yeah, they, obviously a lot more work needs to be done. And he's got how many hands do you need with someone to make a HUD of real value? Um, I mean, it's one of those things. If you sit at a WCSOP table for two hours and you have like 50, 60 hands, you're, you're going to know if a guy's like tight or not. You know what I mean? You're going to know if the – and you can kind of just use your logic. Like if the guy's been playing like really tight, is it really possible he's three-bet bluffing right now? Like one of my favorite examples I did was, okay, I, a guy opened from the hijack. I three-bet on the button with ace-queen. And a Dutch player, cold. F I, I'd been playing with for like an hour or two, cold four bet me from the big blind, and I just went, "Oh, Dutch, cold four bet, I'm all in, baby," right? But if I'd thought about it for a second, I hadn't seen this guy touch a chip for two hours, and even though I only had 50 hands on him, what are the chances he just came out of his shell, you know, just to do the cold four bet? With nothing, yeah. you know what I mean? Probably pretty low. A lot of this is common sense. It's not even really HUD dependent. But it, it, if you get if you get wrapped up in other things, you know what I mean? Or oh, it's only fifty hands. It's possible he's actually a psycho and he's he's just been playing coy for the last hour or two, or he's got you know he's got a bunch of tables up or something like that. Then you can really fool yourself. But as far as like cash games, when I play like heads up. Which, by the way, I do not as much now. Although I'm thinking of th – this is another reason I'm taking time off is to develop my other projects. I'm thinking of making like a – I think it's called a Twitch account. Have you heard of this? These kids no. like record themselves playing games. And I guess Jason Somerville oh, started doing this. Oh, someone told me about that. Yeah, someone yeah. Someone told me about that. Yeah. Because what I've been doing is like recording myself playing and putting it on Pocket Vice Training and putting it on Pokar.com. Uh, That's more of a private forum and – I compiled a bunch and I was going to start, you know, I, I gave them to my friends. It was like, if you see me do something only an asshole would do, I'd like to hear it. You know what I mean? And, and but I was just thinking, like, I really like recording myself because, one, it's kind of fun when, you know, you have a bunch of people watching. You, you get a lot of good questions, especially beginners have some of the best questions you'll ever hear. And furthermore, it keeps me really into it. It keeps me not like, oh, man, I'm going to listen to this uh you know, I'm, I'm going to listen to this new album and like, you know, just chill out and drink my coffee and like lounge. It's like, no, I'm going to be up and checking all the stats and stuff. But yeah, that's but when you play uh, when you play heads up. But I was thinking I'm, I might put some cash sessions on that just to, you know, I don't, it, on a five minute delay just for like fun, just for 
promotion and stuff like that. And I'm going to look into that on the break. But yeah, it, like I like to have like a thousand hands when I'm playing like heads up versus a guy. And I mean like deep stack heads up, you know what I mean? Because you want to know like a great edge is like a guy always barrels the river when you check the river. But it's going to be really hard to get that stat with less than a thousand hands because you can set up there's some of the, the biggest edges you'll ever get in heads up poker is a guy who value bets way too thinly. And then like if there was a missed draw out there and you like check jam, he just always puts you on that missed draw. Right. And you're not going to know if that guy's that way. If, unless you have a lot of bet in position versus miss C bet, uh, you know, obviously there's a general feeling, but mine's not as strong as other people. So I like to rely on like, what's his bet in f- position versus miss C bet. What's his, specifically what's his bet in position versus missed triple barrel <laughs> missed river c bet it's uh it, and you know there's some guys it's like 70 80 percent like they, they're just which actually isn't even bad because most people used to call down way too much but now the next level is here now every you, you, if you play poker now people don't just like call anything on the river like they used to so that means uh, they've developed a little further beyond that, but a lot of guys are still back in that era. So they bet the river to get like value from third pair, and then you like check jam, and they're like, "Who the hell check jams?" You know, a set here. Everybody triple barrels in my mind because people just call down. So why? But yeah, that was a very convoluted example. But like a thousand hands for cash, like fifty hands though. From that point, you should have an idea. The thing is. Um... The, the point he made there about it feels like truer poker, what people need to remember with the HUD is, is really just reco- a recording instrument. It's right. recording information that you're actually seeing. You know, if you were playing live, if you're paying attention, that is, you are consciously or subconsciously taking a lot of it in, whether the guy's aggressive. You know what I mean? It's kind of, you got your own sort of HUD in your head, if you if you like, um, going on. Um, I think that what gets mixed up with the truest form of poker um, is like rush, randomized table, no username, no HUDs, nothing. Yeah, then yeah. it purely then it purely becomes down to betting your hand and playing your hand. You know, That's there's, a there's, really good point. There yeah. is nothing you can do. But if you're at any table where the players are the same, even if they don't have a username, if they're the same player in the same seat for a, whatever period of time, then you're still going to pick up information whether oh, that guy doesn't play a hand or that guy bets here and that guy does that. So I think there's a bit lost in that some of the guys that you know going about this the, the truer form of poker and stuff. Yeah, and um, I, mean, I mean it's I mean it's just like uh, I, I I I'm trying to think of what would be a really good analogy. It's like. the great thing about poker is you can change the variation you know what i mean it's not like trying to change rugby rules where you're probably gonna have to change the pads the number of players the fields blah 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 it's like you just change how the cards come out so there's like i mean one of the games i talk about that i love the most which i think is a super pure form of poker is seven card no limit Uh, i mean seven card stud pot limit right which i've only ever played in the fair countries near scotland but uh, they, you guys are the best, man. You're just like limits. Screw that. Like we're playing li- no limit here, man. Even even like games, Americans have never played in anything not like limit. But yeah, like I like that game because it's just like there, there's so much potential for hijinks, right? But it's like maybe that's not the purest form of poker. Like maybe a really a really pure form of poker can be limit hold'em. That really rewards like the most disciplined warrior at your yeah. table you know what i mean but you it, the fun thing is is seeing like phil ivy can play all the games he can change when need be you know what i mean phil helmuth cannot you know what i mean and that's why even though phil helmuth has an amazing is an amazing one trick pony we should all learn from probably phil is the more complete player in all these formats you should be able to win i'm trying to the only f- I can't think of a format of poker I've put in more than 200 hours I did not win at. You know what I mean? And, of course, you can, like, you, you but you can tilt the scales. Like, okay, I couldn't beat, like, Stars Cash for that much, like, years ago. So I just never played on Stars. You know what I mean? And you got to, 
Yeah, I mean, it's going around and seeing what different, you know, there's fun things like trying to pick up like on timing tells and stuff like that. That could be a little more pure to some people, but it's also a very pure feeling to pour over every hand and go like, what is going to be the most optimal strategy anybody could come up with? Like a supercomputer could come up with here. Yeah, definitely. Um the, the thing is, uh, he's throwing in another little leg here. Um, why don't you have a, why don't you have a real practice battle with Barry uh, for practice for your upcoming battle with WSFA? I, I, uh, sh- I won't do show, it. Show your rebuttal skills, etc. I said, you know, I, I think that seems like too much work to me to prepare for that. Uh, yeah, man, I'm already memorizing. The great, the great part of writing for battle rap is you'll memorize like a, a thing that lasts like 30 seconds, and yeah. it'll take you two weeks to write, and you'll go, yeah. "Wow, this is really a piece of shit. Like <laughs> this is not good." And like, I gotta throw this out, and it's like yeah. I don't want to do that for another like. But no, I also don't want to know like. I mean, the edge I have here is there. I've never recorded like me battling before, yeah. so I don't want to know. I don't want Soros to like have ideas for rebuttals and stuff like that. That's like the yeah. only edge I have, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lose anyway. I don't need to practice. When you yeah. when you you know, I mean, it's like uh, it's like when you suck, you don't really need to put in the work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to say I don't. I just I'm not doing it because I don't want to embarrass you. you know, I want you back. <laughs> I, I want you back on the podcast. You know, and, uh, so. you can, and you could you could pull out some dirty lines with me, I imagine. But they no. They, the other thing is like when I battle, it's just like a white dude screaming. I I got into it because I was in like a hardcore punk band and stuff like that, and I really like that. And I I had a lot of practice with screaming, but also having to enunciate and have yeah. people understand me, but try doing that over skype and see if you understand anything <laughs> like yeah. just blah, 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 or, or you know like some wispy nasally voice trying to trying to rap either one is not really uh not really fantastic so in summation mark there's not going to be any battles and uh huds huds are a large part of the online landscape <laughs> yeah. it's sort of like adapt adapt or die yeah there <laughs> so. you go you gotta move with it yeah. Uh, the next question is from Robbie, and he says, "Which would be the best way to make a steady living playing poker?" Um, steady, I think, is the key word there. Uh, steady. Never... <laughs> yeah. I'm thought. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Cash games are no. I was just cash games or tournaments, or would a good mix of both be the best way? Well, uh, I I mean, I there was a famous baseball player named Ty Cobb. He's also famous for buying into Coca-Cola back when they put cocaine into it and just punching black people because he felt like it. But he was right. also an amazing uh, he, he was an amazing baseball player. And they asked him, like, this was the only answer he ever gave. Like, how do you have so many hits? How do you have more hits than anyone in the league? And a lot of his records are still super impressive. And that, that was back when they played baseball with, like, this 20-pound, like, uh, uh, cannonball. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, he, all he would ever say is hit them where they ain't. Hit them where they ain't. That's it. And a lot of poker, making money at poker, is just hit them where they ain't. And it's first thing is everybody else has, like, all these defenders in their, uh, in their view who are, like, taking them down and, like, whispering sweet pro- promises of failure into their ear. And that's called money problems. If you... I knew, okay, when I turned pro at 18, it looked like a success story, right? I always am happy to admit the three years I spent bumming around home games and being, you know, like the guy who had to like sleep on people's couches and like beg for rides home because I was so broke. And like, but when I came on to internet poker, it looked like all I did was rise up. And I, I literally have never deposited online and all my money comes from uh, all that, like, I had like 40 bucks in my pocket and my buddy, I was like, hey, loan me 50, right? And I was like, I really hope I win the first night, right? And then I did. I won like $30 playing $5 sit and goes and I sent him back the 50 and that's where all my money comes from. But I always tell people I was not a good poker player. All I did was press the edges people didn't want. The first one is money problems. Uh, I didn't, a lot of these guys write me emails like I'm depressed. I can't make it in poker. And, like, I'm always having money problems. And it's like, well, don't have 
money problems. Go back to school. Go get a job. That's a responsible thing. I didn't like it, but I took a job commercial fishing where I probably could have gotten my head taken off by some of the flying machinery when we were trying to pull up uh, your uh, Tyson's fresh fish. But like that's what I did during the summer after high school because I knew I wasn't going to be comfortable playing poker without six months of savings, right? So I went. I worked a super dangerous job. You don't have to do that. You could also, I wanted to be done in two months. That was a decision I made. So I worked 16 hour days, no days off for two months. And then I came back and I had a good uh, load of money. You can work two jobs. You cannot play poker for a couple months, work a couple jobs and live off of top ramen. This is, this is how these things work. And then you save a bunch of money and now you have a separate bankroll, but you also have six months expenses that you draw from and you're not going to be playing scared like other people because even if everything goes to crap you're going to you're going to have 6 months of expense you're going to have 6 months to find another job right now it's important you're disciplined and you keep that on the side of your mind the other time is think about when do regular players do not want to play poker where do they not want to play poker uh, the guy i know who made the most money last year plays on only euro sites he plays from like uh, four in the morning till noon to play on Euro sites in Canada. He made the most money and he only plays like 50s and stuff. If I said his name, you wouldn't even know who he was, but he made like $300,000 last year. And there's a lot of when I went pro, I played from 6 p.m. till five in the morning because that's when everybody was coming home drunk in the States and they, they would just hand their money away. You know what I mean? And a lot of people say, like, oh, poker's so hard now. Well, there's grinders everywhere, but there were grinders when I started, too. You have to, you have to go to the sites people don't like. A lot of sports books have really crappy poker software. You know what I mean? And a lot of people don't want to use it. So you have to be the one who goes in and masters that. When I started playing on cake poker, like, I was misclick folding sets. I was, like, the, the, literally the client crashed four times a day, right? I had to, I had to buy extra screens because i was playing uh, they wouldn't re they didn't have resizable tables when i started right i probably lost tens of thousands of dollars to misclicks and just random bs on cake it, at not tens of thousands but probably ten thousand right mm -hmm. but it was worth it for all the people tossing off money and i've played on malaysian sites i've played on indonesian sites i've played on korean sites i i rented an apartment in Korea to play in like live games there because a lot of, a lot of guys would just come and toss their money off. And I mean, this is kind of the work it takes. This is the stuff nobody sees. It's not really glamorous, but this is how you make real money. The guys who aren't making that much money are the guys you see in the magazines a lot of the time. I, I mean, obviously if a guy pops off a tournament for a million dollars, he's going to have a lot of money, but most of the guys you see like touring the country and only playing these 10 Ks with like 80 other regs do not have the money to do this. They have yeah. wealthy friends. They have, even in my case, like people are like, I, 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 uh, I used to have a formal backing arrangement, but I left it. And a lot of people see me at like live events, like buying into my own, like five Ks and 10 Ks. And they're like, Oh, this guy has tons of money. No, it's my, my buddy. My extremely wealthy friends give me money to play a lot of the time, you know what I mean? And if you see me in a big cash game, I've probably sold a lot of my action. But if you, you know, if you want to wake, if you want to make money, it, it's, I mean, it's out there. And I mean, it, it's, I, it, I, the, one of the most fun times in my life was when I was in Europe. Uh, I used to wake up at 5.30 and play from 6 to 11 because, uh, that seemed to be the weird hours. I mean, there were a lot of weird players on at that time. You know what I mean? That's when the Americans were still, uh, Americans, Canadians and South Americans. Uh, a lot of the South Americans first got on, uh, a lot of these sites and they were just tossing off money. That was when a lot of Asians would play at night and it, it, it hit this like perfect, uh, or whenever I can't remember what time zones they were in. But it was like it hit this perfect mark and I would like I would play five hours and then the rest of the day I had to explore Europe. You know what I mean? And I got to see more of Europe than I think most kids who go to Europe just to backpack through Europe because of 
this strategy of playing when other people weren't playing. Now, was it tough setting an alarm at 530 when all of my buddies were sleeping till 11? That, yeah, it sucked. You know, not drinking at nights because I couldn't do that and wake up. Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy, but I mean, this is a game about money. Those are the edges you want to press and get rake back, get rake back everywhere. You can, uh, you're going to be a hustler for rake back. And uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, because my rake back deals made me a lot of money. What was the, damn it, there was one more thing. You have to get rake back. You have to... And the other thing is if you, this is an edge I see people like not pressing like ever is they speak a language other than English. And there is a real, like, I mean, like, there is a real lack of poker education in a lot of different languages. Even uh, my horse, who's Costa Rican, like, I was thinking Spanish. There's got to be tons of stuff in Spanish. Not really. You know what I mean? There's not a ton. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of times they're reading English. But if you can, like, you know, if you start doing well, but you're posting on forums and you're getting a reputation and you start making bite-sized things people enjoy, once you start charging for it, they're much more likely to buy a bunch of your lessons or buy your like little eBooks or whatever the hell, as opposed to the guy who just never did anything, you're probably not going to end up being a legend. And a lot of these guys that got these, you know, everybody hears of these legendary deals where Durr just hands people 500,000 and is like, okay, here's your money for MTTs. Who do you think he selected? People, he'd heard were good players are people who put in thousands. I mean, sometimes thousands of hours on two plus two analyzing hands, getting better and then found success. If these big investors can see you do it for free, they're more likely to hand you the money. If you're never going to do it just for the passion, why should anyone pay you ever to play these bigger tournaments? And do not think you're probably going to be that guy who has millions of dollars and can play 10 K's on his own. If that's where you want to be. And uh, teaching, yeah, is a great way to keep a steady income as well. And uh, I've made much more money like from it, just the random business deals the last few years than I ever thought was possible. But yeah, okay, that's, uh, there's a lot of ideas. Anything you would want to cover, Barry? Well, it just, it's that old thing. Like You need to make sure you're a winning player. Uh, over a larger sample of hands, whether it's cash games or tournaments, before you sort of decide. Oh, and I think I, th I, th I think the way he phrased it, um, steady living playing poker, it's just not that type of game. It's just not yeah, that that's type a really good point. Like, for a steady living. I mean, there's going to be variance no matter what you do uh, at some point or another. So, um, you know, if you, if you want a steady income, I would suggest... Uh, yeah, maybe not commercial fishing because I've seen those. <laughs> if you but want, maybe maybe something else. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, the big thing is Phil Ivy. The first two years he played poker, he was a losing player. The third year, he barely broke even. And they always used to ask him, you know, what what changed? You know what I mean? A lot of people didn't even know that much, but they they would uh hold on. I think my horse is here. I'll 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 just open the garage doors. Let the, let the dogs figure it out. And then they'll attack or they'll embrace, depending on who's out there. But, uh, oh, crap, completely lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, I, Ivy. Ivy, Ivy yeah, you. thank you, thank you. Yeah, don't do drugs, kids. Uh, but they, uh, you know, and they didn't know exactly that, but they knew he, like, you know, he kicked it around Atlantic City for a long time, and he didn't really do that well. And, you know, they asked him what changed. And he said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I thought this was a way to make money. And people don't believe this, but he was a super tight player when he started because he was just trying to make money. And he's like, once I started playing just because I love the game, that's when things started really turning around. This is why I tell people, put that money by the side and play for the love of the game. You'll probably do a lot better, you know. I had – one of the things that stunted my growth the most is I was always, you know – I. From the time I was 18, I had to like, you know, I had to pay for the groceries. I had to help my sister with her, her books for college. I had to pay my mom's rent, you know what I mean? Because my mom couldn't work, stuff like that. And it's like, that's really stressful, you know what I mean? So these kids who live at their home who are like, man, I don't enjoy poker because I'm not making a lot of money. Like, I want to bitch slap these kids. This is a joke. It's like, you have all the freedom in the world. You have backers who are trained like 
uh, assassins to get you really good, just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. Maybe you don't make money the first three years. But most uh, most actors and actresses and successful businessmen, you know, did not do anything for 10 years. They pro- yeah. They probably failed for a long time. You have to do it for the passion of it. You have to do it because you love it and you have to work. I'm probably paid more than any other coach I know. But I did more work for free than anyone else I know, and that is not coincidental. Yeah, it's true. I, it's like it's the old thing. If you don't, if you don't really love this game and you're trying to just do it to make money, I think you're going to fail because there's a lot of other things less stressful you could do than yeah. just money. You want to just make money. It's like yeah, that, you could look at Chris Murray. You know he loves the game. Yeah, know? yeah, and he's the best. He's the absolute yeah. best. He, yeah. He's the and. Uh, I know that pains you because he's from Britain. Oh, wait, no, you want to still be part of Britain. Never mind. You must love him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But no, 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 Chris Mormon's the best, and he loves poker. But there's another great example. Chris Mormon, best player online, best tournament player online. Not even close, right? Not even I, – I don't listen to other arguments. I had uh, – Daryl Fish was like, well, what about G. Boro? You know, he, but he's just taking some time off. And I'm like – you know, try to extend this to any other sport. Like, oh, you know, this guy was amazing for three seasons, but he just took the next ten seasons off. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? You wouldn't. You, there's a record. Obviously, G. Boron Mormon at the same table. Who knows who has the edge? But the real edge Mormon has is his passion. Man, he puts yeah. it in. He puts in the hours, and he doesn't mess around. And that guy has been grinding since I did. He's been grinding since 2006, and he just won his first live tournament. It is 2014. It took eight years. So if you're thinking, like, why is my success not coming, you got to remember the best player in the world took eight years to get, mm-hmm. to get his big spot. Yeah, it's true. It's easy when people read the magazines and see one every week. They're like, oh, why is it not me? Why is it not me? And then they look and they've played like six events in their life or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's like, the whole focus of Poker Head Rush, man, is we're just trying all the like even all the music I put out, all the hip hop I put out is from like artists who are doing all right, who make like 30K a year and they're happy with that. And they're trying to like make that work and maybe like they work in like graphic design or something to get up to the point where they can pay a like a mortgage and get it paid off before they're 165. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's real stuff to me. That's what I really love. And I, and I love this guy's question because like, how do you make a stable living from poker? I mean, I'll give you the, be- the best advice is stay sober. Like when you drink alcohol, I'm not saying like, I think uh, marijuana should be legal. I think it's ridiculous how we criminalize it. But if this is a mind sport, as some blowhards call it, right? But it is literally, it, it is a competition. Do, do you th- there's a reason you don't hear of any of the high stakes players really drinking or smoking that much. It's because they got to be in top shape. You know what I mean? So if you really want to, if you really want an edge to start, like have a, only like drink once a week or sm- smoke weed once a week and the next day you don't play. But if you really want to be-, be the best, when I wanted, when I started making the most money of my life and having the most fun I ever had in my job is when I quit everything because, and then you got to get to your desk. You got to put, you got to put the hours in, but put more in the hours. You can't just like mindlessly grind. You have to study. You have to you have to have new concepts that excite you that you apply every day. You have to have new projects that could bring in new revenue streams that you're looking into every day. And really all it takes is good sober living, hard work, and show up at this computer at 9 a.m. and leave at 6. You know what I mean? And don't you know, wake up early, get a shower, cook a real breakfast. I do this every morning. I cook breakfast for my wife and I. I get a shower. And try to work out regularly and sleep at the same times every day. If you do that, you'll be along with regular study. You'll be miles ahead of everybody. But you have to love it for the discipline, and then suddenly it becomes a steady living. But if you want it to be a steady living in money, it's not going to come. It has to be a product of your application of your work ethic, not the other way around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a good point. So I hope that answered your question, uh, Robbie. And um, 
you know, good luck uh, in your quest. Uh, the next question is from Martin. Uh, what events are you playing at WSOP this year, Alex? Are you prepared and already for it? If not, what's your plans? I've been prepared since I was 16. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> but really, I am like really dead emotionally, which is really good for poker. No, no, just kidding. But not really. Half joke. Dark joke, like you Scots love. But no, I mean, um, I don't play many WSOP events. Last year, I played like four. I showed up at the end. I don't really care for Vegas. I don't like it's fun with friends. You know what I mean? It's like it's cool to go to like the Pinball Hall of Fame and, you, you know, like uh, go out to like beyond uh, the desert. There's actually some really nice wooded areas and stuff like that where you can order big elk burgers and stuff like that. But, you know, I like to be there for like a week or two. You know what I mean? I'd rather go to, like, LAPT Peru and go see Machu Picchu or something like that. You know, that's, like, something I want to do. But, yeah, I mean, the way to get ready is take a break. But then also, you know, ha ha make, like, a list of things you think are going to work. You know what I mean? Make a make – a, uh, if you can do a lesson with a live pro you respect, uh, do that. Read articles about what you should be picking up on, what you think. And, you know, work on those a lot. You know, see if you can apply them to your online game or your local live games and then, you know, go, this is really working for me. This isn't really, you know, make a list of what you want to work on. Then take like a week off before the live event. And when you go in, reread your things, what you want to do, maybe play a couple hours live to get back in the swing of things and then play, uh, then play live. The last two live trips I've played, I've made money. And it, this was actually a lot of this idea came from my from my wife she was like you should play like a little tournament before you go into the 10k you know what i mean and the little tournament went bust and then the 10k went bust but then you know i was like I i'd had a lot of practice and then i won like some 215 i played for fun and then in a like the pca i i usually try to go in and play a little early but this year i didn't but even then you know, I mean, a little bit of review, a little bit of relaxation. Me and my wife showed up like four days early, you know, and we, you know, walk around, see Nassau. And I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. You know, talk to the locals, have fun, chill on the beaches. And then when you play, you know, you have a huge edge compared to everybody who flew in the night before or who's been there for six weeks. But yeah, I mean, I love the WSOP, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, I don't like going. I got buddies who will put me into whatever tournament I want. I just don't want to – I just don't like being gone. I love my house. I <laughs> I built my house because I like my house. I don't like to leave my house. It's nice. you know. And a lot of people are like, oh, man, but this 2.5K is so juicy. It's like there's 7K buy-ins on the internet. I mean there's 7K of buy-ins on sometimes like on a Thursday. You know what I mean? Depending on what series are running, there's always a series running. It's an F-Tops, a Poker Fest, or uh, 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 I mean, they're doing these like WCOOP challenges now, you know, and stuff like this. It's like yeah. you can play a lot from your home, and it'll be spread across a lot of different tables. It's just about your focus, and it's really easy to lose your focus. But yeah, live is fun. I, if you're going out to the WSOP, uh, you know, only play with money you can lose and have fun out there. Talk to the people. Don't be one of these assholes hiding in the hoodie and the wraparound sunglasses trying to let everybody know you're hustling them. Yeah. Um, we've got time for one more question. Uh, there's a couple more, but we'll save them for the next show. Uh, let me see what one we'll pick. See if it's different. Yeah, man, you got you to gotta shut up, man. You talk too much, man. We can't get through all these questions. <laughs> Uh, that one's kind of weird. We'll go for this one. It's from Samia, or Samia, I think it is. Um, Good, cultural diversity, uh, wherever this guy's from. What's your thoughts on moving from poker to sports trading or betting for a living? I've been a successful online player for four years, and it takes up too many hours of my time now. I just feel kind of burned out. Some of my friends are trading on Betfair. Uh, that's a UK site, so you might actually be best in, be, based in the UK. Damn it. And, uh, yeah, and, and making as much as me, if not more than me, only spending a couple of hours a day trading. I mean, that's variance, dude. Like, I like when, I, when I was coming up, like I had the pleasure and the blessing of meeting some of the most successful sports bettors in, in the world, right? 
And like, I, I know the guy who makes the most money from horse betting, right? Like has a, has houses up in the Hamptons and the, or whatever. And is the equivalent in the East coast. And, you know, like kids are going to like really nice universities and like wife and him go to the opera. That dude wakes up at six in the morning and stops working at eight at night. You know what I mean? He's reading everything. He's like, you know, he's talking about what's the lay of the track. Who's juicing the horses right now. Right. And he says, and I mean, and then, like, I know professional sports betters, but, like, it's the same thing. And, like, you look at Heralibus Vulgaris, and, I mean, that guy seems to be doing well if he can loan six figures to Eric Lindgren and never, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, never get it back and, then like, not even bring it up for a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like, he says the same thing. He's like, I, you know, he's like, I told my wife, like, Thursday is date night. That's all you get during the NBA season because there's only two games and I can record him. He watches literally every NBA basketball game. You know what I mean? There's no shortcuts. Like there's just really, I bet your buddies are gassed up. I bet they're just locked up. I don't think they're that good. I would make a bet against them. I really would. I bet 90% of them are going to get real cocky and they're going to up their bets when that's not how a real sports better does it. A real sports better ups their bets when they see the lines wrong. And I bet I, and yeah, okay, they're putting in more uh, less hours than you, but I mean, I mean that's just winging it. You want to put in the least hours possible, just go and put all your bankroll in on roulette. You know what I mean? You might you might double up. You know that might be your year salary right there. It sure as hell ain't professional gambling though. Yeah, I think it's what maybe what he's missing is on the face of it. You might see this guy. They're maybe only logging on a few hours doing their bets or their trades, but as Alex says, it's what's went in before that, the groundwork, the research. Yeah, there you go. Maybe they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's a really good point. Perhaps he's seeing the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean, we've had Alan Boston on the podcast, and he's another one. He spends every hour of every day going through college basketball, every stat, every newspaper cutting. This guy still does it all by hand. Wow. People might see him. Yeah, he doesn't even do it on the computer or that, Alex. He doesn't. That's he does insane. it all in like ledger, ledgers and stuff like that. Um, and he's one of the most successful uh, sports bet, you know, for college basketball. And um, he said the same thing. You know, he gets up, goes to the gym, but and he sits during the season. It's twelve hours a day. Neil Channing is another guy uh, who comes from sports betting background. He used to sit and. 12 hours in each chair, watching every horse race, every, and then at night it would be American horse racing or basketball or whatever, you know, and just because a guy sits and says that, you, it, it's unlikely, like you say, it, to do anything, you got to put the hours in, and maybe these guys, because they love it, again, it's like, it doesn't feel like work to them, you know, it, it, guys might be putting in 100 hours a week, but they don't think it's working, they only think the work part is when they're actually on the computer, whereas every other hour of the day, they're actually doing shit related to it anyway. Yeah, you know? That's a really like, good point. Yeah, and uh, I mean, yeah, they asked Heraldus Vulgaris, like, why, you know, why do you bet sports? He's like, I just love NBA basketball. I've watched pretty much every game since I was young anyway. You know, it's like I might as well make money at it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah, there's no shortcuts. I mean, there's, uh, you know, po- poker... There is a lot of money in some other professional gambling endeavors, but I have never found anything that pays off as consistently as poker. And I love to gamble. Like, I really do love it. And there's like, I mean, you try to go into business, you try to go into stocks, you try to go into like sports betting, man, you just prepare for a world of hurt. Like, that's not a part time job, man. That is a full court press. That is tough. You know what I mean? Poker is one of the few things you can do four six hours a day and stay competitive yeah definitely so uh sammy maybe maybe you're not not seeing the whole picture with them or they're not telling you you know everyone will tell you about their successes but uh you know i made this in like such a such a time but yeah. uh, the reality the reality is usually different in every field isn't it you're welcome for the lecture and the discipline uh <laughs> sammy for the yeah. disciplinary action <laughs> that's it yeah yeah oh well that's all the questions we got time for uh, this episode uh there was a couple more there but we'll save them for uh next episode in case nobody emails in after this one 
<laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Back so, up. Uh, no, keep your questions coming in, guys. Questions at oneouter.com if you want to email them or tweet them to at oneouter.com on Twitter or post them on the Facebook page or get them to me somehow and I'll ask them to Alex. Uh, reminder, you can still grab a free £15 bankroll to start your quest to playing poker for an hour a day and becoming a millionaire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, set up a William Hill account through the links on oneouter.com. There's a banner on the right-hand side. There's a few links and stuff that will tell you what to do. Use uh, one podcast as the promotional code, O-N-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Deposit £15 and then play one-hand poker or play a second-go at a tournament. Email me, barry at oneouter.com, and I'll get the £15 to you. Uh, or you can have a £15 credit for Amazon. Um, Alex is going to be busy all April. Um, so... If you want to get in touch with them regards buying the webinar, how can they do that, Alex? Assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. Also follow at the Assassinato on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Assassinato and pokerheadrush.com. There you go. There you I like the dot com. That was there running was out even for breath. There. Yeah, yeah, there was, there was not running. even like a fade out or anything. That was Alex. You know? I've, been, I've been battling a lot more, like just trying to prepare for this thing with the source, like just freestyling with like the three people who speak English around here. And it's like that's a real skill, like pushing out that last word with no breath. Like yeah. that's really that's really painful, man. But yeah, it's cool when you nail it like we did there. Yeah, it sounded good. Um, so get in touch with Alex, and if you want private coaching with him, then look to book that around about May time. And I'm sure if you email him, Alex or his assistant will get back to you and sort all that out for you. Uh, until the next episode, see you later. Take it easy, guys. Cheers.